0: Hello, Anthony here thank you for joining us for another episode on today's episode we'll dip our toes into the complicated topic of Canadian identity so a major theme of this show has been the undoing of history and the undermining of our nation's story In previous episodes, we discussed how John A. Macdonald and the Fathers of Confederation are now deemed problematic by many progressives. And now there's a push to rename Confederation Bridge in Prince Edward Island to Epicoid Crossing. I apologize if I mispronounced that name in in any way. Uh, Confederation Bridge is the bridge that links Prince Edward Island to the mainland in New Brunswick, and it is the longest bridge in Canada. So it's the PEI legislature that is asking the federal government to rename the bridge, and of course they cite reconciliation as the driver of this request, arguing that this is something that should have happened long ago. This never should have been a request in their mind. In a release statement on the proposal, PEI Senator Brian Francis is quoted as saying, Prince Edward Island is recognized and celebrated as the birthplace of Canadian Confederation, Yet few acknowledge that this project came at a great cost to Indigenous people. You know, this type of story fascinates me. You're forced to ask the question, I think, what is wrong with Confederation? Is it wrong that we feel pride in Canadian Confederation, the founding of our country? And if we cannot feel pride... we feel shame in Confederation? Ultimately, what connects us? What is the shared story that we can all participate in? You know, it's no secret that Canadian nationalism, or patriotism if you prefer, is in a very complicated place. It seems very two-dimensional or superficial in this moment. In fact, a few years ago, our current Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, said there is no core identity no mainstream canada and he continued to say that canada is the first post-national state so i guess when it comes to our identity all we're left with is having a hollow chuckle about the famous pierre burton quote that a canadian is someone who can make love in a canoe so when we call ourselves canadians but admit that there is no canadian identity then what is it exactly ...that we're participating in. What do we mean when we call ourselves Canadian? You know, in Canada, we've always prided ourselves on on two things. One, we are a diverse country. And now that's become, we are very proud of the fact that we're a multicultural nation... ...that welcomes immigrants from all around the world. And the other thing we've always prided ourselves on... ...in some form or another since our founding... ...is that we are not Americans... If you read some of the debates during Confederation, a big topic is what our relationship to America is and what it will be. You know, a lot of the key players in Confederation, such as Charles Tupper or Georgia Chien Cartier, believe that the American institutions and culture were or are corrosive to liberty. However, there were a few, just like today, that were very warm to the American system, and some even didn't see anything wrong with annexation. They didn't think that becoming Americans was such a huge threat. This all leads me to the question, if our past is so terrible, if our story is so corrupting, what is the argument for national unity? What reason is there for Canadians in the prairies to resist Western alienation? Why would a Canadian in Quebec say no to the Bloc Québécois? What is the narrative exactly that we are building? It is both interesting and sad that I think Canadians have accepted the idea that we have no core identity, that we are a neutral country. I think, unfortunately, Canadian neutrality has ultimately resulted in us being neutral on ourselves and our own values. Our pride and diversity, without understanding our basic values or the conception of our country, has left us vulnerable to the intense polarization that we are dealing with now. Populists, both on the left and the right, can exploit this fact that Canadians feel disconnected to their their nation's story. So as Canada has become neutral on itself, in some very important ways, we've actually become very hostile to ourselves and our history. You know, and I hate to compare what's happening in Canada to Ukraine, but... You're reminded of one of the goals of the Russian invasion of Ukraine is to destroy Ukrainian identity. They want to abolish any idea that a Ukrainian is unique in any way from a Russian. You know They have propaganda saying that Ukraine is synonymous with Nazism. And if you remember, the stated objective of Russia's invasion was to denazify Ukraine. So why is it that we so readily give up our our own feelings of uniqueness or exceptionalism? As is the want of this show, I think it would be beneficial to look at what our founders of our great country said about Canadian nationality and identity. In fact, many of the obstacles to a shared identity that we have today are the same or very similar to what existed in 1867. 1867. You know, at the time, British North America was divided by religion, language, and French and English. Uh, Canada was, you know, never going to be a nation state. I think that's obvious. Homogeneity could never define a country split along almost every major societal cleavage. We were never going to be a people of shared heritage, but a civic state, a people from different backgrounds that understand the importance of liberty, self-government, and civic responsibility. You know, George Etienne Cartier, uh, who was a key player in Confederation, said in 1865, Now when we were united together, if union were attained, we would form a political nationality, with which neither the national origin nor the religion of any individual would interfere. It was lamented by some that we had this diversity of races, and hopes expressed that this distinctive feature would cease. What George e. Hsien is saying is that Canada, if it were to be a country, would form a political nationality, where society would be organized around the idea of self-government. He continues, In our federation, we should have Catholic and Protestant, English, French, Irish, and Scotch, and each by his efforts and his success would increase the prosperity and glory of our new confederacy. Carshay ends this wonderful speech with, we were different races, not for the purpose of warring against each other, but in order to compete and emulate for the general welfare. And Hector Langevin, another key player in Canadian Confederation, builds off of what Cartier's terrific speech says when he says Under the new system, there will be no more reason than at present to lose our character as French or English. Under the pretext That we shall all have the same general interests, and our interests in relation to race, religion, and nationality will remain as they are at the present time, but they will be better protected under the proposed system. And that again is one of the strongest reasons in favor of confederation. So, what the hope for confederation was, it was to carve out a piece of order where different communities were protected. While also ensuring that there was a guarantee of basic values such as liberty, equality, and rule of law, as Thomas Darcy McGee said, the two great things that all men aim in any free government are liberty and permanency. Now, this idea of permanency figures large in the Canadian psyche. This idea is that the system and institutions need to be protected for future generations. You know, freedom can only be properly exercised in a stable nation. I think maybe for many of us today, we maybe don't fully comprehend this discussion of permanency and and why it was such a a key topic during Confederation. But you have to remember what was happening just south of British North America at the time. From 1861 to 1865, the U.S. was fighting a bloody civil war that claimed the lives of hundreds of thousands of Americans. Americans. You know, today's estimates say that 750,000 people were killed in the American Civil War in a country of 31 million people. So you can understand why the Fathers of the Confederation would look south and think that you know, stability in government and the state is such an important discussion. And related to that was how do you balance individual liberty with political stability? In the eyes of our founders, the chief responsibility and purpose of government is to keep the civil peace and protect the inhabitants from foreign threats. You know, both the US and UK have a very romantic view of their history. And I think in some ways, this romance has staved off or at least offered some protection from a lot of the progressive ideology that's demonizing history. In both the UK and US, they had wars that helped develop a sense of nation and exceptionalism. Now, we were lucky in this respect. Confederation happened without a revolutionary war, and that's a good thing. But I think in our complacency, we forgot many of the lessons of Canadian Confederation. In Canada, we've taken our founding for granted. Creating a state where diverse peoples could live freely together was the purpose of Confederation. However, I think we've become dogmatic in this belief in diversity, mistakenly believing that diversity is the reason why Canada is a great country. And because of this, we became neutral on those founding values of liberty and institutional permanency. We forgot the basis of political nationality that Cartier so eloquently described. And we forgot our uniqueness. As Conrad Black said, Canada is the only bicultural transcontinental parliamentary confederation that has ever existed, and it has functioned with relatively minor alteration for 151 years. Free to oppose what I believe wrong, or free to choose those who shall govern my country. This spirit of confederation is beautifully expressed by former Prime Minister John Diefenbaker, When he said, I am a Canadian free to speak without fear, free to worship in my own way, free to stand for what I think right, free to oppose what I believe wrong, or free to choose those who shall govern my country. This heritage of freedom I pledge to uphold for myself and all mankind. Well, I think with that, that does it for our third episode. Uh, Please join us for our next episode. And if you feel so inclined, please share and subscribe to this podcast. Thank you and see you next time.